What is the right relationship to money? If you haven't any, you have no relationship to money. Like the speaker, it's very simple. But to be serious, what is right relationship to money? Why has money become so important? This is, let's inquire into it. We are not Delphic Oracle or laying down the law or telling what you should think or do, but we are trying together understand the problems of life, which are very complex, which need deep examination, impersonally, objectively, sanely. So this is one of the problems, money. Why has money become so important? Is it because we have become worldly, worldly, I'm using in the, in the sense, attached to the things that thought has put together? Only the first question I'm asking is a complex question we'll go into. Is it because money gives us freedom and travel? We have lots of money, we become powerful, become lord, this and that. If you have money, you have a status, you are respected, you are looked up to. This is happening. If you have money, you can do almost anything. Go against all the laws. You see this every day. Money is not supposed to be transferred from one country to another. But if you are wealthy, you have a secret account in Switzerland. You know all this. Transfer great wealth to America and so on. And if you have money, you can enjoy yourself. So money has become extremely valuable in all that sense, in all, in all those senses. Without money, you can't do much. Either. Want some clothes and so on. You must have some money. But the question is really, why has money in our life, apart from buying necessary things or having something which is pleasant, a nice picture or a nice vase or some beautiful ornament, Apart from all that, or a beautiful garden if you are lucky, apart from that, why do we lay such emphasis on money? You, you answer, please. I do not know if you realize what religions have become. Organized religions. Vast wealth. They are really business organizations in the name of God. This vast wealth of the gurus. Incredible wealth. Which all of us given, not all of us, some of us have given to these gentlemen. And so, money has become important. And when you go to the temples, to the temples and so on, there is always money being asked. Are we so occupied with money? Naturally, the poor man who has no money, he's naturally he's thinking about it. But those who are us who have little money, are we occupied with it? Is our main concern or occupation money? That awakens another question, which is why are our minds perpetually occupied? Occupied with something or other. When you are talking about meditation, then you are occupied with it. God, you follow? Everything from the housewife to the highest religious authorities are occupied. Why? You understand my question? This is not an irrelevant question. It is relevant. Because our occupation with money or with sex, with this or with that, indicates the state of our own minds, our own heart, to be occupied with something. Does it mean that this occupation with business, with money, with sex, with God, with the Guru, with the public, and so on and so on, keeps our mind, brain full? You understand my question? Is it that we are afraid not to be occupied? Please look at it. Look at, look at our own, ourselves, you see. Am I occupied?
from morning till night. And when I go to sleep, the brain is also occupied with dreams, with all kinds of sensations. So there is never a moment when the brain is not occupied. Is that so? And when the brain is so occupied, there is no space. And so the brain becomes more and more shallow. You can see this happening. Is it because we are frightened of not being occupied there, having no space, the brain having no rest at all, therefore wearing itself out? Right? The wearing itself out is a part of serenity. Right? Is there a possibility of not being occupied? Merely to look, to observe. Not be occupied with observation, just to look, to observe. So that brain has a rest, not to record, because our brain is all the time recording. If it interests you, then your brain becomes extraordinarily alive, pliable. If you ever, uh, ever observed without a single thought, to observe a tree, to observe the water, a sheet of water, the light of it, to observe a woman or a man without all the consequences of that observation, the sensations, so that your mind is really free from occupation. How can a brain that's occupied ever observe? You understand what I'm saying? How can a mind that the brain rather is always occupied with something? Casual, daydreaming, with the kitchen, or with God. They're all the same. All occupations are the same. They're not superior occupations or inferior occupations. We're talking about occupation per se. Such a mind is really the most bourgeois mind in the world, including the communists. Is it chattering? Part of this occupation? Talking, talking, talking. Endless. If we are aware of this occupation and experimenting with ourselves to see if it stops. Then to find out whether there is fear and pursue that fear. You follow? Go to the very end of it and end it. And we'll talk about it in previous talks. Then see what happens to this brain which is which has space, which has quietness, which is not occupied. If you say how am I to do it, tell me the steps, the method, how not to be occupied. And those steps, those methods become your occupation. You're back in the cycle. But if you see the consequences of occupation and see the fact of it, you move away from it. So if one is occupied with money, why? Either you are poor, which is natural, then you have to be concerned about. But if you're, even if you're poor, to be occupied is only from morning till night. And the man who is very rich is also terribly occupied. How to keep the money more increasing, you know, for business. So the real question is, can the mind be free from all occupation? If I may repeat some incident, we were in the Himalayas once, far away from all noise and in a cottage, and a group of monks, sannyasis, came rushing into the cottage to tell me something. They knew who I, the person who was occupying me. So they came to see me, and they said, we've just come from a man who is far away in the hills, who is full of knowledge, and we have just come, and we are filled with that knowledge. And we said, what is that knowledge? We went into it. At the end of it, they, we discovered 
The solitary person living in the Himalayas was really not solitary at all. He has carried all the world's knowledge up there. And so he's never alone, never quiet. He's full of that knowledge. And therefore, perhaps, can never experience something totally original. A mind which is occupied can never experience something original. It's only the mind that's free, if I can use the word empty. We were talking with a scientist the other t- some days ago. We were saying that emptiness is very important in life. Not natural, not being just vague and daydreaming, but really a mind that's not occupied has space and totally empty. And we're saying that such a mind has, is full of energy. And the scientists agree. He said, where there is emptiness, there is not, it's not empty. That very emptiness is energy. I'm telling you something. So let us think about it, you know, look at it.